Hi, welcome to Love Faith Talkers. We are here to talk about the topics that matter to real life Christians just like you. Topics like anxiety, fitness, loneliness in church, Christians in the workplace, depression, and even food. We interview psychologists, preachers, businessmen, and businesswomen, and people just like you. We're here to help you find the hope, inspiration, and courage you need to live your life the way God intends. As an empowered, thriving Christian. Thank you for joining us once again on Love Faith Tacos. I'm David here with Nikki. And uh, first of all, if you are a returning listener, we want to, as always, say thank you for coming back to listen to more of what we have to say. And uh, we're just trying to be a blessing to you. If you're one of our newer listeners, like Corey, for example, we just want to thank you for tuning in and giving us a listen for the first time. We really appreciate that. So um, what we're going to be talking about today is one of our most requested topics, and that would be anxiety. Now, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety each year. That's almost one in five Americans. And mind you, that's talking about the ones that are actually diagnosed with it. Now, the sad thing is that of those 40 million, only 36.9% actually get any help. Now, we want to reiterate something before we go any further about this. We are not mental health professionals. And the information that we're presenting today is intended for educational purposes only and is presented from our own personal experiences. So if you think you might be dealing with anxiety, you should definitely seek the services of services of a licensed mental health professional. Now, having said that, um, anxiety has been a part of our lives, but we haven't always realized that's what was going on. Like That's what I was kind of saying a minute ago when I was saying that we know that 40 million Americans deal with it, but those are only the 40 American that we know about who have a diagnosis. The number is probably a lot higher. So that's what we want to talk about today is basically some of the ways that anxiety presents itself because we don't always realize that's what it is. You might be going about your daily life and anxiety could really be hanging you up and you have no idea that that's what's going on and your quality of life could be suffering, um, your walk with God could be suffering, uh, really just so much of your life could be suffering if you don't realize that's what's going on. And I mean... Nikki, you had no idea you were experiencing anxiety even up to and through your first panic attack, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that oftentimes, like you mentioned, people don't even know what the symptoms are. And there's really not a lot of, well, I guess I should say there's more um, awareness now than there was even, I would say, like five to 10 years ago. Um, And my um, process of discovery was probably about that time, right? Like five to seven years ago. Yeah, that's about right. Um, and so really, I think like the first step is just knowing what the symptoms are. Um, because I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even know that. Um, for me, it, you know, looking back now, knowing what I know, I think that I probably dealt with a lot of anxiety even through childhood. Um, not, never had a panic attack during childhood that I'm aware of, but definitely had a lot of the symptoms of anxiety, but never you know, really knew what to do with that because I didn't know that that was anxiety. And actually, even before my first panic attack that I had, I know that several weeks leading up to that panic attack that I had, I remember telling you, 
I just feel weird. <laughs> and I couldn't really um, explain it better than that. And, you know, by weird, I just meant like I felt off. I didn't feel normal, like my normal self. But I wasn't able to really clearly state why I felt that way. I remember you were asking me, like, what do you mean? What do you mean you feel weird? And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel weird. And I couldn't really express what that meant. Um, and honestly, during that time, I wasn't really even aware of some of these symptoms we're going to go over. Um, and I think that part of it was probably because I was so focused on just not feeling normal um, that I wasn't really able to think clearly, which we know is one of the symptoms on here, actually, or one of the signs on here. Um, and, you know, another thing to note, too, is that we can have anxiety and not have panic attacks. And I know that sometimes, actually, often people who do have um, generalized anxiety disorder can also have panic attacks. Um, you're actually at a more increased um likelihood of having panic attacks if you do have an anxiety disorder. But that doesn't mean that you will have a panic disorder just because you have anxiety. Right. And I mean, like, I I think it's even possible. Actually, I know it's possible. You can have panic attacks without knowing that's what's going on. Um, yeah. I had no idea. Like, really, when you had your panic attack, it was so different from any of our personal experience that we had that I had to learn a lot too about just how to help you. And at first I thought this was a me helping you thing. Like anxiety is your thing. Um, you know, for me, my biggest thing was I had a chronic depression. So I was like, well, depression is the thing that for me to focus on anxiety is the thing for us to focus on with you. But once I learned more and we kind of found out more about what anxiety was, what panic attacks were, um, I actually realized that I can go back to my college days and I can pinpoint at least two for certain and I think three occasions where I had a panic attack. And I mean, one of them in particular was uh, when I worked for uh, a telemarketing agency, which I'm not going to say the name of them just in case they happen to still be uh, in existence. I assume they have lawyers and I don't want <laughs> want to hear from those lawyers uh, for any reason. But, uh, you know, I worked for a telemarketing agency and, um, man, I was literally just talking to someone about this the other day that the reason that, that I decided I didn't want to work there anymore was because there was this guy, uh, who had a really bad speech impediment and we were required to give a certain number of rebuttals and ask a certain number of questions before we were allowed to terminate the phone call. And we couldn't hang up until then. And so this guy was stuttering and stumbling and I'm going through it and I felt like garbage because I'm pushing this. The guy doesn't want it and he can't even tell me he doesn't want it. And I literally, I got down to the last thing. I had to ask one more question and I'm sitting there in my mind going, just say you're not interested. Just say you're not interested. And he goes, but I don't, okay. Oh man, I felt like trash. And from that moment on, I felt so, I like, I can't do this. I cannot work at a place like that. I instituted a personal rule that I will not work for a company I don't uh, believe in uh, at that point because of that. But until then, I was stuck working there. And I would literally have to wait to get on the bus where our, our college had a bus that would take us there. And I remember at least one time specifically, I was standing, uh, waiting for the bus to come. I was inside the double glass doors. For those of you who went to my college, you'll know exactly where I'm talking about. Uh, I was standing inside the double glass doors waiting for the bus to come. And I now know that what I was experiencing was a panic attack. I had dread over what I was about to go uh, do. I had um, 
uh, a racing heart rate. I was having trouble breathing. I felt like I was going to pass out. Um, I felt like I was really having strong avoidant behaviors uh, or strong avoidant um, thoughts. Like, I just, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I had no idea that's what was going on. And I had no way to help myself because of that. So uh, that's kind of my point, you know, is just like, hey, even I had it. And I thought this was a someone else's problem. I thought this was yeah. a Nikki problem. And <laughs> I, I was wrong. It was a me problem. So um, I guess one of the first, we just want to kind of get into this and kind of talk about the symptoms. So just listen up and see if any of this makes sense to you. So let's start with the, um, well, let's start with the physical end because there's physical and there's mental. So I'll start with the physical uh Physical symptoms. What are some of the physical symptoms that you are aware of? Yeah. So some of the physical symptoms include blurred vision. Um, and this can be, um, <laughs> sometimes I've had issues with determining whether I'm having anxiety or it's just dry contacts, <laughs> honestly, because, <laughs> because of my anxiety, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Put drops in my eyes. Is this still happening? Yeah, basically. No, I've done that. Um, but yeah, blurred vision is one of the symptoms, um, chest tightness, which, um, you know, that can kind of chest tightness with also (laughs) difficulty breathing. And of course, if you're having that, you might think, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm having a heart attack or something like that. Um, something that I actually, I don't think is on our list, but I just thought of it is, a choking sensation. Oh, no. And the reason I'm saying that is because I experienced that along with the chest tightness and the difficulty breathing. And it would frequently happen while I was driving because, of course, I had my panic attack while I was driving. Um, But the thing with that, the reason I'm saying this is because I learned some kind of tricks to help convince myself basically, um, that I was okay. And this was likely anxiety. And one of the things that I would do is, um, drink something because if you can drink something, you're not choking. (laughs) Right. So that's something that I did in the car frequently. What are some other ones? Um, hyperventilation. Mm-hmm. Is one, you know, just that really quick. I, I've, I've experienced that one before where I'm just like, uh, I can't keep my, I can't slow down my breathing and I'm breathing short, shallow breaths, which, um, by the way, and we're not, I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit. It's easy to sometimes think that you're having things like, like heart attacks and stuff like that. And there's physical things, but, um, this is the reason that people think they can go toward this. Cause you can, you can have problems because you're not breathing properly. Uh, Which not, I had. Yeah, it's not the anxiety. It's just the fact that you're not getting enough air because you're hyperventilating, um, shaking like literally like you 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 experience shaking, um, like not like big things. I'm not talking like Parkinson shaking. Just like uh, you you can't keep your legs still. You you know your hand is shaking. Things like that. Um, not and, and like feeling like you can't sit down. Like you go to sit and you just I gotta get up. I gotta get up. I gotta move around. Um, and if you notice, like some of the stuff will cross over into other areas too, like not just, uh, with anxiety, some of the stuff crosses over into, uh, you know, like hyperactivity and things mm-hmm. of that nature too. So it's not really shocking that we're going to have that too. So yeah. Um, what, what, what else we got? Um, let's see. Difficulty talking. 
And this can kind of, I think, occur with um, one of the mental symptoms, right, of difficulty concentrating. Um, sometimes it's hard to concentrate and then it's also difficult to talk because you can't concentrate. Mm-hmm. Um, racing heartbeat or heart palpitations. Um, that was one that I dealt with a lot. Um, and, you know, almost like you can feel your heart like coming out of your chest. Um, upset stomach is another one of those, which I had a lot of that as well. Um, I would frequently carry Tums with me just in case I needed that. Tum, 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 tum. Sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. Tums is not sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> However, we will more than happily take your endorsement if you'd like to contact oh us. Oh my. Wow. <laughs> they do have some good flavors though now. Well, yeah, so. they got into like the minty stuff. Yeah. And at Christmas time, they have the pepperminty ones. Oh, but they also have like this. What was it? It was like an orange vanilla, almost like, like that popsicle yep. thing. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, like a sherbet pop. Well, I just like that they're not all chalk anymore. They're like oh, I know. Bowls. I know. Yeah. Anyways. We digress. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, some of the next ones, and these ones are areas where I tend to, well, some of these are, uh, have issues. Insomnia. And I mean, now, again, just because you have insomnia doesn't mean it's anxiety related, but it could be. Really what you're looking for is you can't sleep. Because you're thinking about stressors um, in your life. And again, these these can be little stressors. They can be big stressors. Um, these can be existential stressors, which is usually my thing. Um, another thing on the other end of the, the whole other end of the spectrum, and this is not my thing. I almost wish this were my thing. <laughs> is sleeping too much. Uh, yeah, that's not me. But, you know, seriously, like, I don't know. Remember I told you we had that one girl we used to pick up for bus in Indiana and she would sleep like 13, 14 hours a day and she would wow. act like she was just fine with it. And we're like, how do you possibly sleep that much? I don't understand. Uh, I have no idea if she had anxiety, but that could be a problem. Interrupted sleep is another one. You know, like you can't stay asleep or you keep getting woken up. Maybe bad dreams are waking you up. Um, and again, what you're looking for is that when you wake up, the stressors are what is on your mind there. Or even that you wake up because in your dream, that stressor kind of manifested within the dream. I I know I've personally dealt with a lot of that. Um, some other ones are having cold, sweaty, or tingly hands and feet. I actually have dealt with that one as well. Dry mouth and nausea. And I've also dealt with the nausea too. Oh. Just the good news is, is I've thrown up once in like 13 years, so... I'm usually like, okay, I'm feeling nauseous, but realistically, I'm probably not going to throw up. So that's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's helpful. Uh, that yeah. You have a low a low vomit rate. Right. Um, and even a, a, another thing on the physical end is just really tense muscles. Like you feel like your, your muscles are really tense and you can't figure out why. And I mean, a lot of times for this, I think this is kind of your body putting itself into fight or flight mode. Um, I don't know if it'd be really freeze, but it's your muscles are tensing like in preparation uh, to deal with something. Um, dizziness, having dizziness can be a problem. I had that happen in Ugh. one of my other panic attack symptoms, also waiting for the bus to go to the telemarketing place. I actually almost fell down uh, because of it. Um, with the dizziness one, um, something that's interesting too is, because I dealt a lot with that, like I would be in a store And I would all of a sudden feel very lightheaded, unstable, dizzy. And I remember asking um, my therapist about it. And he said, well, actually, it's interesting because when you are having severe anxiety or a panic attack, 
you feel like you're going to pass out, but you're actually not going to pass out because what happens is your blood pressure is actually increasing during that time. And in order to pass out, it actually needs to decrease. And so that was something that really helped me. Um, just knowing that, Hey, you know, I am experiencing this right, right now. And it does feel uncomfortable, but having factual information, and I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, <laughs> but having some factual information about these different symptoms can really help in the moment. Yeah, for sure. And, um, the last one that I that, that we're just going to mention here as a physical symptom is when you intensely or obsessively avoid specific people or places or objects. And again, it's not wrong to avoid people or places or objects. I mean, when I lived in California, I avoided Walmart like the plague. <laughs> I especially avoided Walmart when it was around Christmas time, just because there oh, was wow. a whole different brand of people there. there Walmarts are better out here in they North are, Carolina, legit, yeah. but... Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying when it's intense, like you really feel like you got to avoid this person or this place or this thing and it's obsessive or it's obsessive. Uh, so yeah, those, those are really the, um, a lot of the physical symptoms. Yeah. So those are some of the physical symptoms, obviously not right, all not of all them. Um, and then our next section is the mental symptoms, right? So what are some mental symptoms? Well, one of them, and this one's kind of interesting because I don't think we would normally think about something like this, but uh, depersonalization or also derealization. And I know we hear things like this, and especially as Christians, we're kind of like, okay, what's going on? Is there like a, a, a witch doctor around here or something? But mm -hmm. this is a legitimate thing, right? Yeah. So I've actually experienced this. Um, it was actually, I want to say after my panic attack, like a week after probably where I was still in that dysregulated state and really just trying to work through, um, my anxiety and my panic symptoms. And I was actually, it was actually very scary. I was in someone's house, um, because I do in home work, like I go to people's homes. And so I'm already in someone else's environment, which was already, <laughs> Um, causing anxiety for me just being in someone else's house when I'm, you know, not feeling normal, whereas I normally would feel. And I remember just being in a room and I looked over and I was standing at the time, but I could see myself sitting on the floor, like across the room. It was the weirdest experience I've ever had. And I've never had that again. That was the only time I had that. Um, and it only occurred for probably like a few seconds. And then I was able to um, get back into what I was doing when I was in the home. But yeah, definitely an odd kind of experience. Right. And just to reiterate, she wasn't possessed by Satan. Oh, no, no. And uh, she wasn't really sitting across the room either. It's, it's a psychological effect. It's interesting if you want to look into it and study it. Uh, the next of the mental ones that I want to bring up, this is interesting because this can often cross over in, into um, post-traumatic stress. Hmm. Uh, a lot of military veterans deal with this one, and it could be post-traumatic stress related, but it also could be anxiety related, and that's hyper-awareness. Um, I've had this happen a couple times um, where all of a sudden my head went on a swivel, and I mean, I'm like, there's some someone around here is going to do something, and I, and I was looking, I was convinced there was a threat somewhere. There wasn't. Uh, so, yeah, hyper-awareness is, is an example. And the interesting thing about hyper-awareness is I just did, I actually just um, recertified for my um, trauma 
I'm a trauma specialist. You're a certified clinical trauma specialist. (laughs) And I just recertified and I did some um, continuing educations for that. And it's interesting because one of the um, CEUs I did was talking about hyper awareness and why we tend to have that. And a lot of it is founded in trauma um, as a means of survival, right? And so like that's why people tend to have that. So it's very interesting. Um, Another one of the symptoms for... Uh, mental symptoms is feelings of dread. And so that can be constantly being on edge, um, imagining worst case scenarios and catastrophic thinking. What's catastrophic thinking? Catastrophic thinking. <laughs> well, no, this is important. I know. Because you explained this to me and I thought... How did I explain it to you? Basically, catastrophic thinking is when you take a scenario and you like take it out to its worst possible conclusion. And that, you like blow it up. Yeah, out you of blow proportion. it up way out yeah, of proportion. Exactly. I mean, like, uh, what would be a good example? Okay, I'll give you an example of catastrophic thinking, and I personally blame the internet for this. <laughs> um, you stub your toe in the middle of the night, and then you're convinced by the next morning with the pain you still have in your toe that you have cancer. And I mean, like, you're like, oh no, I probably oh my had gosh. cancer. Because you did one of those little. What is it like self-assessment tools where it tells you what it could possibly be at the end and it's like cancer. (laughs) Right. And I mean, that that one's kind of a silly example, but you know, like there's a lot of situations like that where something happens and it's the worst case scenario. Someone looked at you weird at work. Oh my goodness. I'm going to get fired. Yeah. How did you get there? Right. How on earth it's catastrophic thinking? Yeah. Another one is sense of unease. And that's just feeling that something is wrong. And actually looking back, I had a lot of that um, during my time leading up to my panic attack. And when I do have um, heavier times of anxiety, I think I tend to have that symptom. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. And I need to research this because I don't, I'm wondering if ennui is a type of anxiety. Hmm. Um, it just occurred to me because ennui is a type of unease. It's just, yeah. it's just caused by a uh, lack of doing basically. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Just thinking folks, not including that one. In well, the list. and I was thinking too, like maybe it's because like for me personally, maybe it was because I felt off like myself, like I felt off. So I felt like something was wrong, but I didn't know like how to express that right. or what it could be. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, and, and another of the mentalistic things, and this is another one that could possibly have comorbidities. This one I'm, I'm thinking of um, into hyper uh, attention deficit hyper disorder. Uh, difficulty concentrating. Um, man, yeah, if you, especially if you're normally able to concentrate and then it's all of a sudden you sh- you can't, something might be going on there. Like pay attention. I mean, it's, again, if it's a normal thing for you, it may not be anxiety. It might be like attention deficit disorder or something like that, but that could be panic. I mean, having full blown panic, panic attacks, that is a mental anxiety symptom that you can have. Yeah. Um, also phobias. And it's actually interesting because a lot, a lot of people do have phobias and I know we kind of laugh about different phobias, but I make money off of people's phobias. I know. Right. (laughs) <laughs> their fear of spiders, their fear of uh, ants, some lady in Fresno's fear of snails. Oh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, whatever. She was afraid of snails, but she had she had 62, I counted them, statues of snails in her yard. But she, she was terrified of them. <laughs> yeah. But there's other more um, legit phobias, right, that we hear people talk about, like 
being scared of heights, um, being scared of enclosed spaces. Like I actually tend to have claustrophobia. I remember one time they stuck me in an MRI. Um, this was after I had a seizure because I had a heat stroke and that led to a seizure and that's a whole nother story. But they stuck me in this MRI and I remember I was, <laughs> I don't know if you've been in an MRI, but it's a very nope. tight space and you can't move. Like you have to stay still. And I remember looking up and I'm like, I can do this. Of course, I also had like two hours of sleep that night and I was just, you know, on drugs and different things. Drugs administered by the doctor. I should clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really quickly. Um, but yeah, I remember laying in there and I'm like looking up and the ceiling is literally like right above my nose and I yeah, could not do it. I was, they had to pull me out. Yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy, but. Well, you know, what's, what's funny is that the very first time I ever heard anything about claustrophobia was on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie whenever, I want to say Donatello uh, tells uh, Casey Jones that he's claustrophobic because he doesn't want to sleep in the sewer. He's like, I'm going to go sleep in the truck. And then they, he's all upset that they're calling him claustrophobic. And he claims he's not. And he gets in the truck and then all of a sudden he, he rolls the window part way down. And then he can go to sleep. <laughs> That's the first time I heard of claustrophobia. So, yeah, anyway. Well, it's legit, is yeah, what is. I'm saying. It is. Um, feelings of doom. So a feeling of knowing that something life-threatening or tragic may happen or is about to happen. And also perseverating on a problem. Right. So like in your mind, maybe like repeating over and over. Isn't that the one that's called rumination? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't get off it. So, okay, now again, we want to really emphasize that this is not an exhaustive list. Mm -hmm. Neither one of those, the physical or the mental or exhaustive list, but they're kind of the some of the more common ones. Yeah. And we just want you to have that, that understanding that that could possibly be an anxiety thing. We want you to have that. And I think like what you're saying about it not being the exhaustive list is important because what I've noticed in my personal experience is that sometimes you may have some of these symptoms and then you learn how to work through them, right? Or you're overcoming them and you're no longer having them. And then all of a sudden you're starting to have other symptoms that you weren't having before. Um, and you're like, what on earth is going on? Cause that actually happened to me, which we'll get into later. Um, but it's just important to know that we are all individuals and we can all present, you know, differently with different symptoms. Right. So, but the point of that is that what we want to do now is talk about when is, when is the time to seek help? Yeah. Because if you don't know if it's anxiety, how do you know if you need to go see the doctor? Um, and it really, just really quickly, uh, this is free. It's extra. It's not in the show notes. Uh, I want to throw this in there. There is a big stigma in our country about mental health. And there is an even bigger stigma about mental health in Christian circles. Mm -hmm. That's why our very first episode of our podcast dealt with frustrations with anxiety in Christian circles. And... I really appreciate my friends who I've talked to over the years. Um, some of them have really, to me, stepped up. And I really like how, how they'll say, hey, man, you break your leg, you get a disease, you go see the doctor. You have anxiety, you're dealing with depression, you go see the psychologist. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're not quacks. Um, they're not trying to convert you to paganism or to uh, atheism. They're trying to help you. And uh, so 
again, and there's differences between a psychologist and psychiatrist. We're not really going to go into talking about that today. That's kind of off the scope. You usually would start with a psychologist, though. And sometimes you don't even have to go to a psychologist. They can send you to different therapists. But let's talk about when is it time to actually seek help. And really, I think the very first thing that needs to be taken into account is you need to seek help when it consistently interferes with your daily life. Now, anxiety in general is going to interfere with your life. So we're not talking about the one-off. You know, I had one panic attack one time uh, standing outside for the bus waiting to go to work. And then I had another one probably three weeks later and then nothing for the next four years until I had another one. That was very different. Yeah, different for me because I, leading up to the panic attack I had, um, that was life-changing for me. Um, I would say probably about two to three weeks before that I had been having a lot of the symptoms we talked about. I just didn't know that I was really having those symptoms. Um, and I am the kind of person who was like, oh, I'm fine. And I tend to push through things, um, when I probably shouldn't. And I should be more aware of my body, self-aware of the things that I'm feeling and, you know, bodily symptoms and different things like that. So, um, yeah, I, really quick, we just yeah. want to jump in here. And this is something I realized we neglected to put on the list, which is why I, why I want to put this in. The preponderance of symptoms, when they're starting to stack on you and you're having multiples of them at once, you do need to pay attention to that. In fact, I mean, um, that some of the definitions of a panic attack have to do with how many symptoms you're having. Uh, you can say more about that than I could. Um, I think you said it was what? I want to say that it was too uh, mental and too physical, but I can't remember completely. Um, but I mean, as far as leading up to my panic attack, the anxiety symptoms were there. Right. I just wasn't educated enough to know... <laughs> That, oh my goodness, I'm actually having severe anxiety and it's getting worse, you know. Um, I just felt like maybe I wasn't feeling good. I actually remember I took time off work, which I like never do. I go to work no. like having a gallbladder attack. I was going to work still, you know. This legit, she really did that multiple times. <laughs> Even my, my boss was like, hey, do you think maybe you should take some time off? I'm like, oh no, I'm good. Just know I may end up in the ER and have <laughs> emergency gallbladder surgery, um, which they were cool with. But... Yeah, I think that looking back, it's one of those things where this, the signs were there. Unfortunately, I just wasn't, we were not educated <laughs> nope, I wouldn't. in that. So part of our goal here today is to help, you know, spread some awareness so that people, you guys know what to look for. Yeah. 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 So you had mentioned um, when to seek help, when it consistently interferes with your daily life. Um, when there's no apparent reason for the symptoms. So obviously you can have anxiety for a multitude of reasons. Say you're, I don't know, going in for a job interview. It's probably pretty normal to have some anxiety about that. Um, it's not as normal to have anxiety just when you wake up in the morning for no reason. <laughs> right. Or here's one. You saw a, a woman at church give you a dirty look, but they never came and talked to you. Okay, it's normal to have anxiety about that. Same woman gave you no dirty look, but you're having anxiety. Hmm. Do, do you see the difference between those two things? Yeah. Yeah, another um, time to seek help is when physical exercise does not help. 
Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, I really struggled with this. I had a lot of health anxiety um, during that time. And sometimes I still do, I think just because of, I don't know, my background and stuff. But I remember talking to my doctor and I'm a pretty direct person and I straight up asked him, I was like, hey, how do I know when I'm having a heart attack versus having anxiety? Because when I had my panic attack, it was this whole ordeal of it was it was a pretty massive panic attack and you thought you were having a heart attack yeah and you know I got taken by ambulance it was like this really <laughs> really traumatic experience for me so I see just see the first episode if you want the details <laughs> so I just wanted to know um what he was gonna say I'm like is there a way because I need to know this and he told me you know um if if you're having these symptoms and you go on a brisk walk or a jog and you notice that it gets a lot worse and does not improve, then you should probably go in because that's likely a heart attack. But if you go exercise and you're feeling better, that's anxiety. And so that's kind of something that I've held on to a lot. I actually have a pretty good um, workout system that I do now. I mean, I do a lot of weight type stuff and... I feel like that definitely helps my mental health. I mean, obviously it helps my body too. But I definitely notice when I don't go consistently, like if something happens and things get in the way of my going to the gym, I tend to tell you what I my mental health is taking yeah, a hit second, for that. Yeah, second yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you mention that all the time. And actually, I think the way how, you know, you you check in with me, I think that's a, that's another thing as far as when it's time to seek help. If you have other people around you who themselves have experienced anxiety or are knowledgeable about it, maybe through their professional field, or maybe they know somebody uh, who deals with it, and they come and say to you, you know, hey, I'm noticing this and this and this, do you have anxiety, you know, or something like it, it, pay attention to the people who know these things, because it can help you. I mean, this is on a completely different topic, but back whenever, uh, Nikki, when you were having your gallbladder um, problems. And, uh, we didn't also realize that there was a gluten thing going on too. Uh, we had no idea that you were gluten intolerant. And then one day you were talking to your, uh, your boss about what was going on. And she goes, well, it kind of sounds to me like you have a gluten intolerance. And, we, and I was like, Oh, I've never even considered that. <laughs> well, and might we also add that multiple doctors, including supposedly the best one on the West Coast of the United States, yeah. uh, didn't even Couldn't come up with that. that. Yeah. yeah. But the point is, is that that turned us on to a big thing. And so, hey, if someone comes up to you and saying, you know, hey, the, you know, the problems you're sounding sound like it could be anxiety. Pay attention to that. I mean, mm -hmm. what's the worst thing that can happen? You go in and the doctor says you do, gasp, now you can get help. I mean, they might say, nah, you're not, but at least you'll know. Um, another interesting thing that was mentioned in one of, in doing our research that we saw that could indicate it's time for you to get help is if you are, are just really excessively procrastinating about things, about these symptoms, when the things that are causing these symptoms are causing you to procrastinate, they're hurting your life, the, uh, you, you know, they're, they're injuring your quality of work life, your relational life, your home life. That's when it's time to go in whenever they're, they're affecting you to the point to where, you're putting off the things you need to get done. That That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, also, just to note that anger can disguise itself as anxiety and the vice versa is true as well. 
And so sometimes what we see, and I think I've experienced this too, is I'll be irritable or angry or like lash out. And it's not necessarily at you, but it's because I'm feeling anxious, you know, or I'm having all these other symptoms. Um, And sometimes I don't even know that's what's going on until I look back and I'm like, oh, I, you know, clearly was feeling anxious and this is kind of how it came out. Yeah. And on a side note, we've been doing a lot better at vocalizing when our frustrations and anger is not directed at one another. Yeah. Um, Again, this is a side note because it's more of a relational thing. Marriage hack. Um, (laughs) You know, if you're frustrated at something in which your spouse is involved, but you're not frustrated out your spouse, make sure you tell them that. Uh, Because even that could be a signal to them to be looking and going, oh, hey, maybe it's an anxiety thing. You know, let them help you. They're they're your spouse. Yeah. And I think you have to know that's going on in order to address it. But hopefully some of these um, discussions about anxiety can help with that. Um, According to Psychology Today, if you feel anxious more than half the week for at least six months or longer, that's when you should really work to seek help. And I know that for me, um, it was less time than that, but mine escalated very quickly into almost like an emergency situation because I had um, a panic attack and, you know, it just led to other things um, for a while. So I think it depends on the individual as well, but that's what psychology today is saying. Um, Basically, we just want you guys to know that there is help out there and, A lot of us live with anxiety either, um, I mean, anxiety is normal to some extent, right? But Mm -hmm. when it starts getting in the way of living your regular life, that's when it becomes a problem. And so if you learn what the signs are and you're able to look out for those, you're more likely to know when to get help. And so we're hoping that um, this podcast or this episode will be a help to you guys and that you won't wait to get help um, because you don't have to live like that. There's treatment out there and it doesn't always involve medications, although it could if that's what's needed for you, which we won't get into that until a later episode. Right. And the last thing that we're going to say on this topic is I just want to remind you, I don't care what you've heard any preacher say. Anxiety is not a sin. Okay. If you are feeling so evil and sinful because you're dealing with anxiety, anxiety is not a sin, okay? Fear is not a sin. The only time that anxiety or fear can turn into a sin is if you choose not to do something that God wants you to do or you choose to do something he doesn't want you to do. Um, That's a very different case scenario. But you don't need to be going through your life as a Christian thinking you are this horrible Christian because you deal with anxiety. Because again, everyone to some extent deals with anxiety. Um, We see a lot of people in the Bible who clearly were dealing with anxiety. Uh, I'm actually pretty convinced. I can't remember. I think it was Obadiah. Uh, I wasn't planning on saying this originally, so I I don't have the prep work. (laughs) I apologize. But the guy who found Elijah... And uh, I'm telling you, the guy seemed to me like he was on the verge of having his own panic attack right there. Uh, He was wigging out. You're not sinning. Get help. And there's a difference between anxiety and an anxiety disorder. Yeah. That's really the difference. So like Nikki said, you don't have to live live like that. You're not a horrible Christian if you're dealing with it. Get yourself the help you need. 
and move on and live a victorious life, a life where you know how to work with anxiety to where it loses its its sting. You know, we got Easter here coming up next week, Resurrection Sunday. What's the verse for Resurrection Sunday? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? It's not that it's not there. It's just that it can't hurt you anymore. And when you get the knowledge and the power you need to deal with it, that's whenever you really start to learn that you there's hope. There's hope at the end of the, the journey for you. So again, we just want to thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to us on Love Faith Tacos. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. And that includes about anxiety. Uh, again, we've had people who have contacted us and said, hey, can you help me find resources in my area? And we will happily do that for you. And in fact, we've had people who speak other languages do it. And we just used Google Translate the best we could to, to get them in. We just want to help you. That's what we're here for. So again, that's lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. Also, remember to engage us on the Facebook community page so that you're more than welcome to interact with our posts and create new posts there so that we can all be a help to each other. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on Love Faith Tacos. We hope this has been a blessing to you. If it was, we ask that you do three things. Number one, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Number two, please leave us a five-star rating and write a review if you can. And number three, please tell a friend because hope is just too important not to share.